Welcome to the show about your kid's secret life, an inside peek at what today's kids are really doing online and with technology. Each week, you'll hear the latest trends and get tips to keep them safe while keeping your sanity. So here are your hosts, cybersecurity experts, best-selling authors, and parents of four teens, Lisa and Chris Good. Hey everyone, welcome to the show that lets you see behind the curtain of what today's kids are doing with technology. I'm Lisa Good. And I'm Chris Good. Well, another week and we've got two new social media challenges. Telling you what, we haven't seen this many new social media challenges come out back to back in forever. Well, okay, maybe not forever, but probably since right after social media became an addiction for kids. Well, it's just because they're all stuck at home. I mean, we're on like what, week five? Crazy. And unlike when you go to school for seven hours a day, when you're doing online learning, most kids are able to finish their entire day's worth of school in anywhere between three and five hours. What? You gotta be kidding. Nope. And I can see why some parents are pulling their hair out. I bet. Well, first up, let's talk about this invisible flashing social media challenge. And can you guess what social media platform it's on? Oh, TikTok, of course. You bet. So here's how it goes. There's a filter you can apply that supposedly makes you look invisible. Ooh. People can see your outline and then this white haze over you. You know, for us old folks, kind of reminds me of Casper the Ghost. Why do I have a feeling that this is not going to be good? Yeah, it's not. So what kids are doing is they're turning on this filter and then stripping. You mean like getting naked? You got it. Oh, but you said you can't see anything with the filter, right? Well, that's how what it looks like. But while it might not sound like a big deal... It actually is for two reasons. Number one, someone can probably reverse engineer the filter and see you butt naked. Oh boy. And number two, the video themselves are sent to TikTok servers. And if you didn't already know this, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. So all that data goes through and to China. That's right. And that's why the U.S. military members and all U.S. government employees are not permitted to have TikTok on their phones unless it's their own personal device. And they can't use it for work, and they're not allowed to bring them into the office. And I bet pretty sure anyway that TikTok has a copy of all the videos on a server somewhere, and I bet they could remove the filter and see all those kids' images naked. I bet they can too. Basically, all it would take is one disgruntled employee, and the next thing you know, all these kids and young adults... Yep, even adults. There are even adults doing this. I can't imagine, but they could all have these naked pictures dumped online somewhere for the whole world to see. Or depending on who you are, it could be used for blackmail or extortion. Oh, you're right. You know, we've seen other kids and predators use inappropriate photos to blackmail kids and adults. It's called sextortion. The other issue I have with this challenge, if there weren't enough already, is that this challenge is teaching kids subliminally that it's okay to strip down and be naked online, and it's really not. No, it's not. So with that, let's move on to social media challenge number dos, or number two. Okay, I'm going to guess this one is also on TikTok. Yep, and it's called the nutmeg challenge. Now, for this challenge, kids dump an abnormally large amount of ground nutmeg into a cup of water, stir it up real good, and chug it down. Okay, drinking nutmeg. Um, okay, what's that do? Well, apparently, are you ready? It gets you high. What? Yes. So most of the nutmeg TikTok videos say that doing this will give you vivid hallucinations and dizziness, similar to drinking 
taking Molly, also known as ecstasy or MDMA, or Adderall. And they say the effects last anywhere from six to 30 hours. Wow. So quarantine is officially driving kids crazy if they have to resort to invading the kitchen spicer. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I guess the real question is, does it really work? I mean, are they really getting high? Well, there's this naturally found chemical in nutmeg. Called mistressin. What is it? It's it's some weird Maristicin. name. Maristicin. Yeah. There you go. Well, that is also found in parsley and dill. And when, now, when eaten by themselves, or in this case, mixed with water instead of cooked with food, the... the Maristicin. Yes, that stuff. Well, it affects the central nervous system by enhancing neurotransmitters. No, norepinephrine. That's the specific name, but I just say, just it just makes all the wires in your body go crazy. So basically, this creates the getting high side effects like hallucinations and dizziness. However, it can also cause nausea, heart palpitations, and seizures. Interesting. So I'm guessing there isn't a lot of research yet on how much you can eat before it poisons you? Well, the American National Poison Center has found that 10 grams, and that's about two teaspoons, of nutmeg is enough to cause symptoms of toxicity. And at doses of 50 grams or more, symptoms grow more severe and can be deadly, such as having a heart attack. 50 grams. Okay, that's like 10 teaspoons or three tablespoons of nutmeg. Three tablespoons. That'd be like eating, what, four pumpkin pies? all at once i don't know that's 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 just a lot and and it seems ridiculous i know it does however what these kids are doing is they're dumping the nutmeg straight from the bottle without measuring and some kids on tiktok have said that during their trip they experienced extreme anxiety so any teen that's already depressed or having issues with anxiety if they do this challenge this could push them over the edge and possibly lead to self-harm or suicide. So that's why it's so important to talk with your kids a lot about social media. And if your kids are on social media, you've got to be there too. Yep. As much as I hate it, you have to be on social media too. You got to pay attention. Yep. Now, last week we talked about Zoom bombing. And that's when someone's on a Zoom webinar and does things to disrupt the meeting, like project pornography, have racial slurs, and so forth. Like we said last week, Zoom was never never created as an avenue for kids. It's a really easy and convenient method for businesses to jump on a quick video meeting. Well, this made the news last week too. University of Florida officials said a 13-year-old Memphis girl is responsible for Zoom bombing a student government meeting. Well, I guess she had her schoolwork done and had nothing else to do, right? Well, it's what it sounds like, but the FBI were able to identify and track her and she said that the incident was really just meant as a joke. I was just kidding, folks. Yeah, imagine that. Kids being kids and doing stupid stuff. Who would imagine? Well, I know, but here's the thing. The university police chief said, and I quote, this is absolutely not a joke. We take these matters very seriously and we will pursue any and all leads and ensure anyone involved is held accountable. Well, that doesn't sound very good for her. No, it's not. So basically, she interrupted the meeting with pornographic images. She put in swatskas, racial slurs, and this is the really awful thing. She made death threats against a university student. So the university is pressing charges. Hmm. Well, I guess she won't be attending University of Florida for college. Well, I don't think so. And, you know, she may not be able to be very picky about where she goes to college if anyone will take her at all after this. Yeah, I bet. Now, Zoom has dominated the news recently about Zoom bombing, 
the lack of security, their routing calls to China and Egypt, and other wonderful security issues. But it is really such a shame they didn't build their product with security in mind because it is one of the easiest to use. I agree, but I don't think people will be using it much longer if they haven't jump shipped already. We've seen in the news that Google, the U.S. government, and the military have all put a ban on Zoom use, as well as New York City has banned all schools from using Zoom. Now, I'm sure it won't be long that other states probably follow suit. And this just hit the news. Zoom users' names and passwords are being sold on the dark web. So if you or your kids have a Zoom account, they should log in and change their password passwords immediately. And if you or your kids use that same password for anything else on the internet, whether it's online gaming, shopping, banking sites, anything, you need to go change those passwords as well. And if your school is still using Zoom for classes and meetings, you should still change your password. And you may also want to send an email to your school board and request that they remove Zoom and use something else for learning. Now, here's a couple of other suggestions of other meeting platforms that you could suggest. Microsoft Teams, Skype, GoToMeeting, Cisco WebEx, Intermedia AnyMeeting, and Google Hangouts Meet. Of course, good old Google. Now, while we're on the topic of video conferencing solutions, we should probably talk about an app that kids have used in the past called GroupMe. I know, it sounds weird. Well, it's owned by Microsoft, and up until a few days ago, it was only a messaging app. Kids have been using it for the last few years, so they're able to send private messages with friends and strangers, as well as photos and videos. They share emojis and GIFs, and they can even set up calendar events. This is one of those apps that once you post something or text it, there is no way to delete it or remove it. This app has also been in the news over the past few years for high school and college kids using it to cheat on assignments, exams, finals, and other stuff. Ohio State College and the University of Texas at Austin are two of the recent ones. In both scandals, all the kids that participated were expelled from college. Plus, one of the reasons that kids like this app so much is because when a new message comes in, you don't see any of the content in the message. So, so you know, when one of my kids gets a text on their iPhone, I can see what the message says if the phone is sitting by me or if I'm close enough. Well, the GroupMe app hides that message. Huh. Remember, we told you kids were sneaky and these app developers are just contributing to their immaturity. They're making it easy for kids to hide messages and hide potentially bullying behavior. Well, with the coronavirus virus lockdown stay at home situation we all find ourselves in and Zoom's fall from grace because of its lack of privacy and security, Microsoft has taken this app they've owned for years and left sitting in the corner and they have now updated it so that you can Skype through the app. You can Skype with a single person or a group. And the interesting part to this is that it requires you to have no account. Are you sure about that? Yep. Microsoft says you don't need a Microsoft or Skype account to create or join a Call. All you do is click the link that it creates for you when you go to create a Skype call. Then kids can email or text that link to anyone they want. It's that easy. And you can also schedule calls. So if your kids want to chat early in the morning while you're working or late at night after you've gone to bed, they can set that up with their friends and you never know. Hmm. Well, except now you do know. Now you may want to do a quick check of your kids' devices for this app. Or if they ask if they can download GroupMe, we would recommend saying no. This is one of those apps that can get them into too much trouble. While we're all stuck at home and the news is mostly gloom and doom, I want to throw this story in. This happened last week in Florida for a group of kindergarten kids. 
they had their Zoom class crashed by none other than John Bon Jovi. Huh, that'd be cool. The teacher, who was also a musician, had the kids do a writing assignment talking about being stuck at home. He was helping them voice their pent-up frustrations on why they can't go to school or see their friends. So he reached out to Bon Jovi and he took the kids' writings and he turned them into a song. So then Bon Jovi played the song for them and then he talked with them about songwriting. He made it a lesson. Cool. So even though it feels like this is all bad and there are some bright spots in this, hopefully before we know it, things will change and we'll be back into a new, better normal. So stay tuned for our next topic. Wouldn't it be great to stay up to date without being overwhelmed? It's possible and easy. Just sign up for our free cyber alert emails. We take the guesswork out of knowing what's going on with kids and technology. We provide the essentials that parents, grandparents, and adults working with children should know in today's digital world. Just visit yourkidssecretlife.com forward slash radio and sign up today. Hey everyone, welcome to the show that lets you see behind the curtain of what today's kids are doing with technology. I'm Lisa Good. And I'm Chris Good. With kids spending more time online and with school online, it's important to develop good password habits in your kids. If you haven't already talked about setting up secure passwords and how to answer security questions with your kids, or maybe you've never had that conversation, well, now is the best time to get started. Well, one of the biggest mistakes we see kids make is using a password that anyone could guess, like their pet's name or their favorite superhero. The second mistake we see is them using the same password for multiple accounts. Their Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, iTunes, and any other online account they have will all have the same password. Now, you may be thinking, well, they're just kids. What could someone possibly get from them if they get their password? Well, a cyber criminal can use their information to open credit cards, apply for loans, or sell their identity on the dark web. And if you think about it, most kids have iTunes accounts that have a credit card attached, right? Yep. So whose credit card is on that account? Mm-hmm. What about their gaming accounts? They could have a credit card attached to them too. So really, it's you that they're after to some degree. Yeah, I know. I don't know too many 12-year-olds that have their own Capital One credit card. Yeah, the, the what's in your wallet is mostly a few dollar bills and maybe a phishing license. Right. So let's tackle creating good, secure passwords. And we're going to do this with no geek speak. Some of you may be thinking, yeah, I already know this. Hey, just hang in there with us because we're going to cover some things that maybe you've not thought about. Before we jump into what makes a good password and what makes a bad one, we need to address the elephant in the room. Now we know you can't see us, but when we talk to businesses and parents, it's always there. And here's the phrase that brings out the, I just saw a mouse screaming elephant. You have to change your passwords regularly and don't use the same password for multiple accounts, especially your banking and online credit cards. Now, if we could see you, I know we'd see those elephant eyes. And I'm sorry, as painful as it is, you should aim to change your passwords at least once a year. And really, if you work in medical, legal, finance, or any other regulated industry, they make you change your passwords at least every 90 days. Ugh, 90 days. So think about it. Once a year, that's not too bad. So I'd recommend doing it in the end of December. Yeah, make it like a closing out of the year and ringing into the new year tradition. The upside is that it'll make it easier for you to remember when you changed them last. 
And this should go for your kids' passwords too. So let's talk about bad passwords. Here's just a few of the ones we see people using. One, two, three, four, five, QWERTY, password one, football fan, number one. These all fall into the top most used worst passwords. You really want to stay away from short passwords. And every year, the definition of short actually gets longer. Well, that's because the hackers keep creating password crackers that can crack longer passwords faster than before. So for example, an eight character password with letters and numbers only takes 10 days to crack. But if you throw in some symbols, it takes about 57 days to crack. Here's the kicker. If you add one more character and make your password nine letters and numbers, all that mixed up, it takes 153 days to crack. That's a long time. But if you add symbols into the mix, it takes 12 years to crack. Ooh, I'll take that. So the best passwords are long and should be a random string of numbers and characters with everything, including upper and lower letters, numbers, symbols, and characters. Yeah, good luck trying to remember a different one of those for every website you use. And that's where a password manager or using Google comes in for your sanity. Now, I'm not a huge fan of password software because many of them have had their own data breaches, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a password manager. Well, I agree, but... Those tools are better than using the same password for every site or using nothing and relying on your memory by itself. Hey, you could always do what I do and use post-it notes, right? No, no, he's just kidding. Don't do that. Now, when you're creating passwords, you want to keep in mind you don't want anything that someone can guess if they did some digging about you or if they were stalking you on your social media account. Well, and and believe it or not, there are stalkers. Well, here's a fun game to play with your kids to see how close they can get to discovering your passwords. Tip, pick one you don't really care if they guess, and trust me on this. Now first, tell them approximately when you created the password, if you can remember, which gives them a context clue about your life and interests at that time. And after they've grilled you, flip the script and ask them 20 questions about their passwords. Chances are you both will want to change your password after this exercise. And this is great to do with your high schoolers since most of them think they're so much smarter than you. (laughs) Some example questions could be, is it related to X, like a sports uh, or a celebrity or a certain music group you like or a family member? Or your pet. Right. Uh, Yes or no. Does it include a number? Now, let's switch gears and talk about security questions and answers. So most people think security questions and answers are only important if you lose your password or you need to get back into your account. While they are used for that purpose, cyber criminals also go about trying to use your security questions and answers to reset the password to get into your accounts. I don't recommend using the correct or truthful answers to most of the security questions that they're asked. It's too easy to guess or find those answers other places online, either through social media, public records, or social phishing. And a lot of people do make up their answers, which is a great thing. But where they make a mistake is that they choose answers that most other people would also choose. Hackers are pretty smart. You know, they're good at guessing what most normal people would use for a fake answer. So if your security question is, what city were you born in? And a hacker knows where you were born and that answer doesn't work, they're going to go scouring your social media for what your favorite city is, say, London, Paris, just whatever. And then they're going to try that. Yeah, and if that doesn't work, 
they'll pick a city from a favorite movie that you said you like, like Gotham. I recommend not only giving incorrect answers, but giving an answer that has nothing to do with the question. You know, you can do that. You can lie to the computer because it's not going to beep at you and say, hey, you can't use that answer. That's not true. However, I would advise caution with what you choose. Yeah, because it could get real interesting when you have to give those answers over the phone yeah. to an employee at the bank or your credit card company. You know, I could see it now. What is your father's middle name? Avocado Toast. In what city did you meet your spouse? Iron Man Forever. And what's your favorite pet's name? Starbucks Coffee. Now, when you're teaching your kids this, be prepared for what they may say. And seriously, just try to laugh. Yeah, just have fun with it. On sites where you get to set your own security question and answer, make sure you don't use answers that can be easily found in public documents, can be figured out through social media, or through your friends and family social media accounts. One of the most important keys to this is once you find a security question and answer that you know isn't able to be guessed, don't use that for every single online account that you have. It's just like copying passwords. Don't use it over and over. You really want to build a good list of good questions and answers. Kind of like you don't want to eat carrots every day at every meal or you'll turn orange. Oh, remember when our daughter was little and that was the only veggie she ate? She had yeah. like this tinted orange skin. Yeah, that's a real thing. In today's data breach environment, a lot of sites are requiring multi-factor identification or MFA. And while this is not foolproof, it is better than not using it at all. Now we're going to cover multi-factor options in another episode. In case you're not familiar with how MFA works, here's the short and the skinny. Say you want to log into Amazon to do some shopping. You put in your email and your password and hit enter. And then this other window pops up and says, you got to put in this code. Now that code was sent to you through one of a multi-factor of ways that you've set up. Could be text, could be email, could be lots of options. So you won't be able to get into that account without that code and neither will anyone else. I'm just going to throw this in there as, you know, a reference point from personal experience. Do not use a phone number for Amazon that is your spouse's. In my case, my spouse has the phone number for that code. So every time I go to log on, whether he's with me or not with me, I have to somehow get a hold of him to get the code. So don't do that. But other than that, I know this is a pain because it does it every single time you log into your account. And as frustrating as it sounds, and it is annoying, it is another layer of security. And I try to think of it like this, just to keep my sanity. Would I rather deal with the slight inconvenience now or deal with my financial information stolen, my bank account wiped out, and spending hours and hours on the phone with the credit card companies, my bank, the credit bureaus, the IRS, trying to clear my name and my credit. Yeah, I think I'll just deal with the code. Yeah, I agree. Before we wrap this up, I want to touch on one other thing while we're talking about passwords. All those nifty little gadgets that have come to make our life so much easier, like the ring doorbells and the Nest thermostats. Those little cool gadgets are known as IOTs, or Internet of Things, because they're actually small computers that connect to the Internet. And those items all have passwords. Every device is set with a factory default password, and when you set it up, you should change that password immediately. Yep, the Ring doorbells and cameras have been in the news about people 
logging into them, and spying. There were also cases of the hacker actually talking to the kids while watching them in their bedroom. The parents thought the kids had made up an imaginary friend until they happened to be in the room when the guy checked in on the kids and started talking. Mm. And this is one of the many reasons why I don't have those things in our house. Yep. But that's that, just our pro- that's just me. That's kind of creepy. It is. In case you're wondering, how did they get the passwords? Well, hackers list the default passwords for every device they get on the dark web. Some dark web forums have the information for sale. That would also include the IP address for your device, and some forums only provide the passwords. And the hackers then use tools to scan the internet looking for the devices and try the default passwords. Then, when they find one, boom, they're in. If you have those types of devices in your home, if you didn't change the default passwords when you set them up, you should go do that right now. In fact, just do it right now anyway. Even if you think you reset them, just reset them again. You're better safe than sorry. Well, that wraps up another episode. Have a great week. And remember, you can do this. Thanks for listening to Your Kid's Secret Life with Lisa and Chris Good. To submit your questions, sign up for our free Cyber Alert emails, or for information on today's show, please go to yourkidssecretlife.com forward slash radio. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Your Kid's Secret Life.